1: Vsin, the sports betting network. Scott Sedenberg back here with you. This is the look ahead here on Vsin, the sports betting network. My thanks to Joe Fan for joining me in the studio. Love talking baseball. I will talk baseball all day and we'll do some of that coming up in about 15 minutes or so. Adam Burke our very own uh, will join us uh, here on the program adam is fi- finalizing our baseball betting guide which you got to make sure you get your hands on um, just so much information there previews of every single team in the league uh, i think part one is already up available on vcin.com so make sure you get your hands on that let's check in on our bets from uh, last night's show. What we gave out. uh well, just one play in the NBA and it was the Miami heat. Uh, this was the uh, anti-swagger play from Dave Tooley. Uh, the Celtics had had a six game winning streak that was snapped and we fade them in the next game. Plus, as I suggested to him right here on the program on Sunday, the heat were in like a mini swagger play because They had a four-game losing streak that was snapped uh, when they beat the Kings. So they were feeling good about themselves. They kind of righted the ship. Plus, you threw in the fact that Robert Williams was out in their first game without Robert Williams, their main rim defender. The Celtics gave up 115 points to the Raptors, and I figured that Bam Adebayo was going to have a good game without Robert Williams inside, and he did. 17 points, 12 rebounds, 8 assists, and the Heat not only covered the 4.5, they went outright, 106-98. to 98. And uh, then we gave up three hockey plays. The first one was the Rangers and Red Wings over. And it's a simple analysis here. The Red Wings gave up 11 goals in their previous game to the Penguins. 11 goals in one game! And the Rangers were playing on the second out of a back-to-back, so that meant... Alexander Georgiev in net instead of Igor Shesterkin. And what's the rule of thumb? Whenever, say it with me, whenever Georgiev's in net, we automatically bet the over. Yes, yes, you got it right. We bet the over. So the six and a half was the number, and this one hit or clinched, I should say, in the second period, as it was a 3 3 game in the second period, ensuring. That we hit the over of six and a half. Rangers won 5-4 in overtime. The other game we gave out was the Oilers. Uh, They were minus 200. I didn't want to play the minus 200. So instead, I played the puck line. Minus a goal and a half. They did not cover that. Uh, They had multiple opportunities to do so. They had a 3-1 lead in this game. And... That's when I stopped checking in on the score, to be honest with you, because I thought they were going to just run away with this game. I thought a 3-1 lead was going to turn into 4-1, 5-2, something like that. Uh, But then I checked back. It's a 3-3 game going into the third period. Nobody scores in the third period. And then the Oilers win in a shootout. So if you parlayed the Oilers on the minus 200 money line, you hit uh, if you played it on the puck line or the regulation line, you did not hit. But we did hit the Vegas Golden Knights minus a goal and a half against the Seattle Kraken. Uh, this was a game that the Knights had to have. Had to have. When you were locked in a battle for playoff seating, not just playoff seating, you're in a battle for a playoff berth, you can't lose to the second worst team in the NHL, in the Seattle Kraken. You just, you can't do it. So Vegas was minus 170. I think it closed less than that, maybe 150. Played Vegas at the plus money price of uh, the goal line of plus 165, and they win 3-0. So overall, pretty good day. (laughs) <laughs> if you take all the units one with the three winning bets, especially with the Knights being at plus money and the loss for the Edmonton was a plus money bet. So you only lost one unit there. Part of me wishes that I did the money line on the Miami heat instead of taking the points there. Cause it just would have been an even more profitable night for the uh, Miami heat bet. Let's take a look at uh, a heavy hockey schedule for Thursday. Devils are at the Bruins. Boston is minus 270. That total is six and a half. The Jets are at the Maple Leafs. Toronto minus 210 with a total of six. Blackhawks at the Panthers. Florida, a massive favorite of minus 350 with a total of seven. Haven't seen a seven in a little while, but it should happen here. The Panthers might score seven by themselves. Uh, The Blue Jackets are at the Islanders. Islanders minus 200, total of six. Canadians at the Hurricanes, Carolina minus 400, total of six. The Penguins are at the Wild, Minnesota minus 120, total of six and a half. The uh, Wild have the longest current winning streak in the NHL. They have won seven straight games. And um, how about this? Probably going to wind up being Marc-Andre Fleury in net against the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's got to be an emotional game for him against the team that, you know, had he started his uh, lengthy career with and won Stanley Cups with. Uh, The Sharks are at the Avalanche, Colorado, a heavy minus 330 favorite, total of six. Kings are at the Flames, Calgary minus 270, total of six. The Stars at the Ducks, Uh, Dallas minus 175. This is a rematch of a game that we just saw the other night when uh, Dallas won three to two. The Ducks, meanwhile, have the longest losing streak in hockey. They have lost 10 straight. Part of me, and I say part, part of me likes the Ducks. I can't believe I'm saying that because they've lost 10 straight games. But when we see opponents play each other back-to-back games, I tend to like the side that just lost. Um, We saw this happen the other, I guess, earlier this week, maybe in the week towards the weekend. The Kraken were playing the Kings in L.A., Back-to-back games. The Kraken lost the first game 4-2. to And then they beat the Kings in the second game 6-1. to And now the Kraken are in a similar situation here against Vegas. They lose this game 3-0. But coming up on Friday, they play Vegas again at home. And... Oof, it's so tough backing bad teams. So tough backing bad teams. Um, maybe cracking on the puck line could be something to look for here. So maybe ducks on the puck line here on Thursday against the Stars. Give yourself a little cushion, lose the game, but maybe just lose by one. I don't know. Part, it's, like I said, it's just part of me. It's not all of me. It's just part of me. Liking the Ducks here. Uh, Stars are probably the right side. Uh, Kings, Flames, Calgary's just, that's a heavy line. But LA just played an overtime game against Edmonton. They uh, lost in a shootout. So second out of a back-to-back for LA. Uh, I know that they are in the midst of this playoff push right now. They are currently the second seed in the Pacific Division. They are... Uh, one point ahead of Edmonton, who's the third seed in the Pacific Division. They're six points back of Calgary. And while I don't think that they would catch up, if L.A. wins this game, that lead just does not feel good anymore. And if if that's like if it's a 4 point lead now it's a little too close for comfort i think calgary would really calgary really wants this win to create or really i should say needs this win to create a little separation in the standings between themselves and the kings so the situational handicap i don't like for la plus calgary's coming off a
0: loss
2: Follow the Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: Like that, coming off of a loss. They have not lost back-to-back games since January 13th. And that was in the midst of having games cancelled and postponed where they lost, th- they lost four straight games. And two of those losses were with a backup goaltender in. So that was a bad run right around the COVID stuff happening at the end of the year and the beginning of the year. Um, I'd have to go look back and see which players didn't play in those games. But I bet you there were some that missed these games. Because like I said, that was in the middle of all the COVID stuff. They would have games postponed. um, And then... You know, play and then not play for a few days, then play again, but since that moment, since the resumption of play, really January 18th on, they have not had back-to-back losses. I like Calgary here. Heavy money line, minus 270, might want to parlay that with something. I don't hate going puck line either, or maybe Calgary in regulation, but I do expect them to pick up a win here over the Kings. I'm Scott Sidenberg. You hit me up on Twitter at scottsonair, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Coming up next, we're going to be joined by our very own Adam Burke, who's doing a tremendous job with our V-CIN Major League Baseball Preview Part 1 available now up on vcin.com. Make sure you get your hands on that. This is The Look Ahead right here on v
0: This is The Look
1: Ahead on v the sports betting network. College 20's in full swing. Grab a five-hour energy to stay alert to watch all your favorite games or if you stayed up late to see that intense overtime game, take a five-hour energy shot in the morning so you can energize your day. With zero sugar and an unbeatable blend of vitamins, nutrients, and caffeine, it's the perfect pick-me-up for getting stuff done. Go to FiveHourEnergy.com to find over 15 flavors to choose from. With flavors like grape, tropical burst, cherry, blue raspberry, and more, there's a flavor for everyone. Get a 5-Hour Energy today. My next guest can use all the 5-Hour Energy as a... Adam Burke, our sports betting analyst here at Vsin.com V-CIN, Point Spread Weekly. He has been hard at work putting together our Major League Baseball preview, which part one is up available now on Vsin.com Adam, tell us about the baseball preview and all the tremendous work that you've been putting in to get uh, listeners and viewers and readers ready for
3: opening day next week yes scott so i've done team previews for all 30 major league baseball teams here so far the al east and the al central have been posted over at vsin.com we didn't want to overwhelm everybody by releasing them all at once So we're doing a division a day, which means here uh, coming up on Thursday, we'll have the American League West division. But yeah, team previews, very in-depth, very detailed, not only a look at the team as a whole, but also a lot of individual pieces and parts for those teams, a player to watch, some betting angles to consider, a season outlook, a win total pick, where applicable, a lot of detail in those over at VSIN.com, and subscribers can check those out right now.
1: Yeah, it's awesome. I see. I've been reading. Uh, you're a little down on the Yankees this year, which breaks my heart a little bit. But that's okay. Uh, it is a competitive division, and I'm very high on the Blue Jays this year. So um, I actually think that uh, when I saw their win total, Adam, it's at 92 and a half. However, you got to shop around because you'll find different uh, lines at different books. I found the book that posted the Blue Jays at 91 and a half. This is a team that won 91 games last season, and I actually think they're better this year.
3: Yeah, I agree. I think they are better. I mean, look, you lose a player like Marcus Semien with the monster season that he had, and a lot of people are going to look at that as a negative. But to me, I think the Blue Jays are a year stronger, a year better, a year smarter in terms of their pitching staff and developing the guys that are there along with the fact that they got some other guys that I think are pretty good additions, like a Kevin Gaussman. I think Yusei Kikuchi could actually have a really good year, kind of be their poor man's Robbie Ray, so to speak, for this season. So there's a lot to like about the Blue Jays. They're obviously a phenomenal lineup, I will say that, you know, offensively, you may want to temper your expectations slightly just because they go back to Rogers Center full time at home now, as opposed to playing in Dunedin, Florida, and also Buffalo, where they hit exceptionally well in both of those ballparks. But even with that being said, I mean, this is a very, very strong team. The biggest question is the bullpen, which I think they've improved upon. But yeah, I mean, it's very hard to look at anything other than an over for Toronto and frankly, the issue with the Yankees for me, and I, I talked about this a little bit on my spot with on betting across America today, is that pitcher depth is going to be critically important because you're coming off of that weird 2020 season, the quick turnaround to 2021 where you played the full 162 games, and now you get this short lead up to the season with spring training being expedited. Pitchers are not going to be ready, Scott. You know, they're only going to, and I know like the Guardians, for example, they're saying their starters are going to be up to about 65 pitches it's going to take probably into mid-May before the starters really get into a groove. And the Yankees are a team where I worry a lot about their pitching depth and some of their injury risks. So that's why I'm a little bit lower on the Yankees this year. Uh, when it, And the Blue Jays also, yes, I know that
1: they, they lose uh, Robbie Ray, you get a whole season now of Barrios, right? And and Alec Manoa is a young stud. And I actually think that having no question marks about where they're playing their home games is going to benefit this team this year because they can actually be settled for once to start a season, which hasn't happened in several seasons. Uh, Going over to the National League East, Adam, I think one of my favorite win totals is the Philadelphia Phillies over 85 and a half. There's been a lot of talk about the New York Mets with good reason. They arguably have the best rotation in all of Major League Baseball now. But people are overlooking the Phillies. They added both Kyle Schwarber and Nick Castellanos to this lineup with Zach Wheeler, Aaron Nola, and now Ranger Suarez atop of their rotation. We'll get to Suarez in a second, too, because I want to talk to you about him. I think this Phillies team not only wins over 85-and-a-half games, But I like them at plus 475 to win this
3: division, which you can get here at Circa. Well, you're certainly not alone with that, Scott. The issue that I have with Philadelphia, there are two big issues. The first is I don't think their bullpen's very good. I think they have a lot of injury risks. Corey Knebel's a guy that hasn't stayed healthy. Juris Familia is coming off of one of his worst seasons. I think this bullpen is a major problem area. And bullpens are obviously very important with the increased specialization of the game. The second thing that worries me about the Phillies is they have the chance to be really awful defensively yet again. And we saw Aaron Nola get really, really impacted negatively by that last season where he had a 463 ERA, but a 337 FIP. And FIP is a formula that uses strikeouts, walks, hit by pitches and home runs. So things that kind of take defense out of the equation. The Phillies look really bad defensively, and I think that could hurt Nola. It could hurt Wheeler. It could hurt Suarez. It could hurt the relievers. They're going to have to score a ton of runs to outhit their mistakes, and clearly they can do it, but I think that's a very high season win total up there at 85.5. Not a play that I made. I think they could win 90-plus. I think they could win the division. I could also see them being around a 500 team if things don't go according to plan. So for me, I just— I feel like there's kind of a wider range of outcomes for the Phillies than some of the other teams in that division. Well, I will be betting a lot of overs in their games. I can tell you that much. <laughs> and, Makes sense. And, and
1: I, I'm going to do a little sprinkle here. Mickey Moniac, rookie of the year, is 100-1 to 1 on one of the online books, Adam. And with the injury to Oduble Herrera, having him out now for six to eight weeks – there's a legit chance. I know everyone's talking about virling but there's a really legit chance that Moniak play, is going to be in that opening day roster. Uh, just the, the other day, he had his third home run in four spring training games. He's absolutely impressed Joe Girardi. And if he is that opening day center fielder, he might not give the job
3: back. And at 100-1, to 1, I can make worse bets. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when you talk about rookie of the year markets, obviously it's it's worth your while to kind of look at some of those triple digit shots and kind of see if, you know, some guys can kind of find a landing spot, if some guys can, you know, work their way into the middle of the order as the season goes along, something like that. You know, look, with a guy like Moniac, the, the thing I would worry about is getting enough plate appearances because this is a really, really good lineup, pretty much one through eight or so, trying to figure out who that ninth guy is going to be. Does he play enough? If he plays enough, he has chances to put up those counting stats because he's going to have guys on base all the time. If he gets on base, people are going to drive him in. So it is one of those scenarios to me where if you can find some of those long shots in the rookie of the year market, Moniac being among them, I can't really fault anybody for taking a shot on any of those guys. The one thing you really want to look for though is playing time. Mm -hmm. It has to be someone who's going to get the chance to put up numbers now, with that being said, I mean, we saw Wander Franco come up and basically play half the year. You know, we've seen that happen before, but you'd certainly like to try to find guys that are going to make the opening day roster if you can. Yeah, and he's obviously a
1: flyer. And like I said, because of the injury to Herrera, there's an opening now at center field where, you know, he, he's playing his way into that uh, opening day spot right now. Now, does he lose it when Odubel Herrera comes back? Probably, but taking the flyer on a guy to uh, really, you know, get an opportunity and play his way into it, especially when you look at his number compared to a guy who's on his team in Bryson Stott, who is their shortstop of the future. He's their number one prospect who might be their opening day third baseman ahead of Alec Bohm, And he's at seven, eight, nine
3: to 1 to win the rookie of the year. So I think there's a crazy uh, difference in the odds. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, I mean, you know, you're looking at this in the right frame of mind. You know, you're trying to find guys that are going to play, do have a significant amount of upside. And look, you know, I think it also kind of helps to try to find a guy who's maybe not on a very good team. You know, somebody who will get 550 plate appearances, something shine, like that. Yeah. Obviously, a lot of those guys are definitely short prices, but, you know, there are definitely a lot of ways for those guys to get up there. The other thing I would say, too, real quickly is, I would probably look more towards hitters than pitchers because as a hitter, you have a daily chance to do something to help your case as a pitcher. Not only do you only play once every five days, but also coming off of that first full season after 2020, where a lot of these minor leaguers didn't play at all. A lot of innings caps, a lot of guys who are maybe going to go, you know, 60 pitches in September, something like that pitchers will have a tough time kind of navigating the rigors of the full season especially relative to position players absolutely 100 tremendous advice there adam stick with me
1: uh we're going to stay in the national league i want to give you my uh nl mvp selection all of my futures bets are long shots i don't have anybody less than 65 to 1 to win any of these awards and a couple of these players i'm 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 buying real low on uh and i guess i'm just looking for bounce backs we'll see if those things uh, come uh, come true he is Adam Burke. you follow him on Twitter at skating tripods be sure to check out vcin.com the first portion of our major league baseball season preview is available now on vcin.com we'll continue the conversation coming up next I'm Scott Seidenberg this is the look ahead here on vsin the sports betting network in the Sports Betting Network. Wendy's Breakfast is the official breakfast of March Madness. Every day, choose from Wendy's stacked starting lineup, like the breakfast baconator, croissant combos, and hot or cold coffee. And like any great team, Wendy's is bringing the breakfast legends. Oven-baked sizzling bacon, fresh cracked eggs, perfectly seasoned breakfast potatoes, and a Simply OJ to bring it home. Make a fast break to your nearest Wendy's drive-thru and pick up your Wendy's breakfast, the official breakfast of March Madness. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. Scott Seidenberg back here with you. This is The Look Ahead here on VCN, the sports betting network, joined by our sports betting analyst for vcin.com. You read him in point spread weekly. You see him all across the network. He is Adam Burke. Follow him on Twitter at Skating Tripods, the Major League Baseball season preview going up. Day by day here on vcen.com. And let's wrap up the National League conversation here, Adam. Let me give you my long shot MVP bet. And I am buying real low on this guy. Cody Bellinger is at 65 to 1 to be the NL MVP. When are you ever gonna find a number like that for a guy who's only a few years removed from being the best player in Major League Baseball? I
3: know he's been terrible, but I couldn't pass up on this number. No, I mean, look, you know, the the futures market is one where you want to try to buy low, you know, And, and this is obviously a spot to buy low on a guy in Bellinger who, look, all the talk is about how awful his spring has been. I mean, he just, everyone's saying he looks lost, the body language looks bad, this and that. It's spring training, man. It's like 20 plate appearances. Like anything can happen in 20 plate appearances. The worst hitter in baseball could be a 500 hitter over 20 plate appearances. So it's just a very small sample size that people are absolutely overreacting to. The biggest thing about something like this is who else does he have to share votes with in that lineup? Is it Mookie Betts? Is it Freddie Freeman? Is it Max Muncy? Is it somebody else? That's the only knock I could say against Bellinger. But look, I mean, also too, you know, maybe he gets traded at some point here throughout the season and goes to a place where, you know, maybe he is kind of the guy, and he doesn't have to try and compare himself to everybody else that's in the lineup with him. So there, there's a lot of upside to taking a guy like Bellinger, especially at this low of a price. Uh, and now I'm buying low in the American League as well. Eloy Jimenez is
1: 65-1 to in a lineup that is probably the third, second best lineup, maybe the third best lineup in baseball behind the Blue Jays and the Dodgers. Uh, this is a guy, Adam, that if you take his career numbers – and prorate them to a 162 game pace, it's 38 and over 100. And if he's healthy for a full season, he's going to hit over 40 home runs and have over 100 RBIs, putting him right in the mix for the American League MVP conversation.
3: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I actually like a different white sock. And Luis he's Robert. a much shorter price. But Luis Robert yep. is, is I the knew, guy I for knew me. I knew mean, it. I knew you were going to say it. I when, knew. When well, when he came back from injury, I mean, he was on a torrid pace. It was unbelievable, the pace that he was putting up. 157 WRC plus, which means he was 57% better than a league average <laughs> hitter last year. Just phenomenal numbers for him. Yes, in a small sample size. But he's the guy that I think really stands out in that lineup to me. But obviously, you know about half or not even half of the price of Eloy Jimenez. So, you know, it's a matter of do you want to go price hunting? Do you want to pick the guys that you think could end up having a big year? I think it's Robert, you think it's Jimenez, if it's both of them, then we need to start talking about White Sox to win the World Series, the White Sox to win the AL Central, <laughs> a piece of the White Sox to win the World Series, all that kind of thing if all these guys live up to their expectations. I love their rotation
1: too. It's it's top top 6 in baseball maybe. Um, so yeah
3: there's a lot to like about that team Uh, and and to that point let me talk real quickly about this because I think this is really really important so the pitching coach in Chicago is Ethan Katz and he was actually the high school pitching coach of Lucas Giolito so they knew each other there's a lot of familiarity there he probably helped get Katz the job there in Chicago pay attention to these things you know we talk about coaching hires across all other sports we talk about coordinator hires in, in college football and all that Pay attention to these pitching coach hires. I can tell you that Ruben Niebla, the new pitching coach for the San Diego Padres, he had a hand in the development of every single Cleveland Indians pitcher. Obviously, now they're the Guardians, but every Indians pitcher. He had a lot to do with Corey Kluber developing into a two-time Cy Young Award winner. He had a lot to do with Shane Bieber becoming the strikeout artist that he is. Now, Ruben Yabla gets to go to San Diego and work with that rotation. Wait a minute. Those are guys I, I, I think we need to a look at. You just
1: sparked something for me. Would, would you consider then a bet on Mike Clevenger? Because he comes back from injury and now he's got the pitching coach that he had in Cleveland?
3: Is there something to this now? I, I think there very well could be. I mean, again, certainly the concern with Clevenger would be, can he get to those necessary innings thresholds that it takes? to really be in consideration for that. But look, I've seen people talking about Joe Musgrove having over 200 strikeouts and being a guy that has a real good chance at 25-1 to of being in that Cy Young discussion. I don't necessarily think Blake Snell can get there with kind of the way that he's tailing off, but I think Musgrove and Clevenger are two guys to absolutely take a look at.
1: Yeah, Clevenger would be a nice long shot to win uh, AL Cy Young. I'm going really long for AL Cy Young. 100-1 to long, Adam. Noah Syndergaard, two years removed from Tommy John's surgery. Joe Madden said there is no innings restriction on him. Looked great in his spring debut. He's behind Shohei Otani in this Angels rotation in a division where, you know, at least one team, the Oakland A's have given up. And the offense will be better with a healthy trout, with a healthy Anthony Rendon and the best handicap of all. This dude signed a one-year make-it-or-break-it contract. He's pitching for his future. Give me Noah Syndergaard at 100-to-1
3: to win American League Cy Young. Well, he certainly shouldn't have any kind of innings restriction because they should just use him and abuse him and get whatever <laughs> they can out of him. I mean, that's exactly the situation that the Angels are in here. Two problems I have with this. The first is, obviously, health is a major concern. True. Sure. You know, he hasn't pitched in, in such a long time, really. I mean, he threw, what, two innings last year? You know, you have to be durable. You have to put up those counting stats. The second thing is, I try my best, if I'm going to take Cy Young Futures, I try my best to take a starter that has a good bullpen because even though pitching wins don't mean anything to me, they mean a lot to the voters that are out there. You know, and, and you also run into a situation where inherited runners may score, driving up your ERA and all that kind of thing. So you lose out on some wins, and you give up some runs that aren't actual well, that they are yours but somebody else allowed those runs to score that's the concern i would have here because i don't think the angels bullpen is all that good it's better than it was last year but maybe middle of the pack at best so that's the concern that i would have is not only Syndergaard's health but also some of the other guys and how they may impact his case it's why people look at the brewers where you've got josh hader yeah. and devin williams it's why people look at the rays where you've got all their arms out there in the bullpen I think that you know the bullpen really helps put a pitcher over the top, and that would be my concern with Syndergaard and the Angels. Give me your
1: surprise team or one of your surprise teams this year to look out for.
3: All right, so this is a bold call, and I may end up looking like a complete moron, which is fine. It's happened before. Mm-hmm. The Chicago Cubs. I, I just like got Chicago done Cubs. talking about that.
1: I, well, I, I was I, talking about them negatively, though, but although I will say this, and it, it, it warms my heart, But Clint Frazier has been hitting the snot out of the ball this spring.
3: Well, and he gets to, you know, grow out that hair and hopefully a beard. And And play every day. (laughs) Right. Well, so here's the thing about the Cubs, a few different things. First of all, they've been playing with a big dark cloud hanging over this team for a long period of time because they knew Chris Bryant would be gone. Anthony Rizzo would be gone. Javier Baez would be gone. They started, I think, 38-27 and last year in their first 65 games. But then as the trade deadline came closer and, and the reality kind of set in of who they were losing, they just completely fell off the face of the earth. This year, they've got talent. You know, they, they bring over Suzuki from Japan. I think he'll hit. I think he's a very interesting player. They've got a lot of guys that can hit for power. They've got an outstanding defensive infield with Angelton Simmons at short now and Nick Madrigal at second. And what they've done from a pitching standpoint is that they've really loaded up on ground ball pitchers. Marcus Stroman, ground ball guy. Kyle Hendricks should bounce back. I don't see any reason for him to be as bad as he was last year. Wade Miley, ground ball guy, Alec Mills, ground ball guy. So what they're gonna try to do is, they don't have a lot of strikeout guys, but they're gonna keep the ball on the ground. They're gonna convert a lot of outs with the infield defense that they have. And they picked up, you know, you just talked about Syndergaard, right? Playing for his future. The Cubs picked up five free agents for the bullpen. Guys that are largely on one year deals that are all looking to you know get jobs down the line. Yes, there's a concern of the trade deadline where the Cubs are probably going to trade a lot of these guys, but I think this team is highly underrated. I like their season win total over 73 and a half, 74 and a half. I would even sprinkle them 11 to 1 to win the NL Central because I don't think that division's very good and if everything comes together for them where they've got a lot of talent, I think they could be a team that surprises a lot of people. Adam, love the baseball conversation. We'll be uh, reading your
1: team-by-team previews on vcin.com each and every day as we get closer and closer to opening day next week. We'll talk again soon. Appreciate it, Scott. Have a good night. He's Adam Burke. Follow him on Twitter, at Skating Tripods, and make sure you get your hands on uh, the baseball betting previews that are available each and every day. New teams will be released up on vcin.com you want to make sure that you're a subscriber and get all of those previews opening day is fast approaching i'm scott Seidenberg this is the look ahead here on vcin the sports betting network
0: VSIN, the Sports
1: Betting Network. The NFL Draft is right here in Las Vegas, and we'll have extensive coverage, including mock drafts from Matt Humans and Michael Lombardi, former NFL GM. VCN host Mike Pritchard, who was a first-round pick, and Sean King, Super Bowl-winning chip, will give you insight that you can bet on. Also, legendary sports broadcaster and the voice of the Las Vegas Raiders, Brent Musburger, will give his draft best bets in our NFL Draft Betting Guide. Sign up today to get full access to VSin through the Masters, the start of the MLB season, and the NFL Draft for only $19 at vcin.com slash spring. Scott Zadenberg back here with you. This is The Look Ahead here on VSin the sports betting network. Let's uh, go over what's going down in the NBA here on uh, Thursday. Take a look at this interesting It's a short schedule, but it's a fun one. Uh, The 76ers take on the Pistons in Detroit with Philly, a 10.5-point favorite. First off, you guys know I'm very anti-Philly, this team. But the Pistons, as an underdog, what are they, 16-0-2 in their last 18 games as an underdog against the spread? All this team does is cover spreads. Sixers are going to win this game, but Pistons lose by single digits. Maybe this is a feisty team. I don't know. I kind of might ride this trend again. Uh, The game of the night is uh, the uh, nationally televised game TNT, the Bucks and the Nets from Brooklyn and Brooklyn, a one and a half point favorite. I find it. Difficult to see how this game ends up being different than what we saw the other night between the Bucs and the Sixers, right? Where that game was also a one, one and a half point spread. And I said, we're going to take every point we can with the Milwaukee Bucks. They wind up winning that game outright. Why is this game different? Is it because... I trust Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving more than I trust Joel Embiid and James Harden, maybe. But the depth of the Nets, maybe that's better than the depth of the Sixers, and that's why this game ends up being different. The Bucs were just tested off a very, very tough game. And the Bucs right now are sitting here with an opportunity to climb up the standings in the Eastern Conference. But if they are unable to capture the one seed, this could legit be a first-round playoff preview because the Brooklyn Nets right now are a half game up on Charlotte for the eight seed. I don't expect Brooklyn to fall back of Charlotte. For the remainder of their uh, season, the Nets have uh, the following games. They obviously play the Bucks here on Thursday. Then they're at Atlanta, which they should win that game, but Atlanta's been playing well, but it's a tough game. Versus Houston, they'll win. Against the Knicks, they'll win. Against the Cavs, they'll win. And against Indiana, they'll win. So really, I only see one, maybe two losses for the rest of this season for the Brooklyn Nets. Conversely, if you look at the team that's chasing them in the Charlotte Hornets, that means that they can't afford to lose two more games. Well, they play Philly, Miami, Orlando, Chicago, and Washington. They'll probably lose to both Philly and Miami. And that might be enough to have the Nets clinch that eighth spot. And anyway, let's get back to the original thought about this Nets-Bucks game. If the Nets are in that 7-8 game, well, I think they win that 7-8 game against the Cleveland Cavaliers. And that would mean that the Nets are the seventh seed going into the NBA playoffs. The seventh seed plays the two seed. That two seed right now is the Milwaukee Bucks who have a one-game lead on the Sixers. This game here on Thursday night is going to feel like a playoff game because it potentially is a playoff preview. Plus, you still have all that feelings about last year's playoffs there. Durant, that foot wasn't on the line. Nets are probably your NBA champions. This one, it was very attractive to take the Bucks against the Sixers. I think it's going to be the opposite for me in this one. I think I'm going with the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, the Cavs are at the Hawks. Atlanta is a five-point favorite. I like Atlanta in this one. Atlanta's just rolling right now. They're playing really good basketball. They've won three straight games, seven of their last ten. Meanwhile, the Cavs just keep slumping. Uh, they've lost... Six of their last 10 games, they're down to the seventh seed now. In fact, the Cavs have lost a lot more than that. Hawks are feeling good about themselves. Hawks are trying to get that home game in the eight, in 9-10 matchup. And they're only a game back of Brooklyn, by the way, for the eighth seed. So a lot on the line for Atlanta here in this game. Uh, I like the Hawks laying the five points at home. Uh, The Bulls host the Clippers, Chicago laying three and a half. Listen, the way that Paul George looked in his first game back, how could you not like the Clippers in this spot? Now, the game does mean more for Chicago. The Bulls are currently tied with the Raptors for the five and six seed. The Bulls do have the tiebreaker, so they're currently the five seed. Meanwhile, in the Western Conference, the Clippers are locked. The Clippers are your eighth seed. They're not going anywhere. They're the eighth seed. So they don't have anything to play for besides just getting everybody up to speed and ready for the playoffs, where... If they're healthy, if some more players come back, and I don't know if we're going to see uh Kawhi Leonard. But but if he does come back, wow, this Clippers team becomes dangerous in the playoffs. Dangerous. And a couple of weeks ago, it was reported that Kawhi Leonard went through a, quote, extensive shooting drill, end quote. And just five days ago, it was reported, quote, this is by uh, Om young Masuk, quote, By all accounts, Leonard has been working hard and looks to be in good shape, but the Clippers will be extra cautious with their franchise star. If they make it out of the play-in tournament, however and Paul George and Norman Powell also return, Leonard would just need clearance from the medical staff to play, and that door has been left open. We all know Paul George is back already. Norman Powell could be back, and they win a play-in game against the Minnesota Timberwolves, that 7-8 game. All of a sudden, Kawhi comes back. Dangerous team. Dangerous team. Uh, Bulls laying three and a half at home against the Clippers. Then you have the Jazz, who are 12 and a half point favorites over the Lakers. No LeBron James in this game once again. I just don't think there's any way to bet this game besides playing the Utah Jazz. Maybe Jazz in the first half. Look at what the Lakers did in the first half against the Mavericks the other night. They gave up 82 points in the first half. And look at what the Jazz did, building up a 25-point lead against the Clippers, only to see that evaporate in the fourth quarter. Maybe Jazz' first half is the move here against the Lakers, who will not be in the play-in tournament. Yes, I know right now, because of the Spurs' loss, they do find themselves back in Just a half game up on San Antonio. But once they lose this game to Utah, they'll fall back because they'll be tied and they lose out on the tiebreaker. So then you'll have the Lakers on the outside looking in once again. And I keep bringing it up. The rest of the schedule is just getting harder and harder for the Lakers. They're not getting in. And I don't even know if LeBron is going to play for the rest of the season. I said that a couple of days ago, week ago or so. And, well, he's not playing in this game. Wait, he is not even with the team anymore. He went back to LA to get treatment. Yeah. Can't do that with the team, I guess. I'm Scott Sadenberg. Coming up next, we'll be joined by our very own Matt Humans. Get his thoughts on the Final Four and more. You can follow me on Twitter at ScottsOnAir. Air. S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. We'll see if Humans has any uh Valspar picks for this weekend as well, but primarily we'll get into the final four and get his selections for the games on Saturday. This is the look ahead here on VC, the Sports Betting Network.
0: The Cam. The Cam.